Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Today we are continuing our message series, which is called Playlist. It's something a little bit different um, for Easter Sunday. If you're used to going to a church that maybe has a very, uh, maybe higher, um, uh, you know, high church sort of a concept, or maybe even specific sermons that are based around Easter Sunday, and we will touch on it a little bit. But we're in a series called Playlist, which is really all about taking some of the most popular songs on the radio and then exploring the lyrics of them and seeing how God might speak to us through them. And before you throw me out as your pastor and say, how could we do that on a Sunday morning. We will have plenty of scripture today, don't worry. But here's what I believe, and I say this all the time, even in September when we do our God in the Movies series, is that God is the author of all truth. And when we find truth anywhere as his children, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, as his children, we actually have the privilege and responsibility of calling out God's truth wherever we find it. And so one of the beautiful things is that there are these artists who write songs who have no relationship with God whatsoever, and yet God's truth is spoken through them. And so we're taking some of these songs that are really popular. This particular song today is written by a Christian artist and fits perfectly into our Easter message. But I'm excited to continue that today. We actually began our series uh, a couple weeks ago by exploring a song by American authors. It was a song called I'm Born to Run. Last week, we explored Cage the Elephants, Ain't No Rest for the Wicked. And next Sunday, my incredible wife, Heather, who you heard from a moment ago, is going to be exploring the song Shallow, which is by Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper from the A Star is Born soundtrack. And some of these songs, you know, like, I don't know if you've enjoyed it already, maybe didn't uh, experience, expect how the, the words would speak in a way that they have to us, but next week is going to be great. I'm excited for what God's put on Heather's heart. Well, today, though, we're going to be exploring a song called You Say by Lauren Daigle. How many of you have ever heard this song before? It's on the radio, Uh, but before we get into that song, I want to back up and I want to focus on the significance of Easter today, and the reason for it is because I think for us to really understand the significance of the song itself, we have to understand the significance of the resurrection, and so if you are, um, if you have grown up in church, or maybe this is new for you, I'm pretty sure most of us have probably heard the story of the resurrection, right? Um, even if you're new to it, the idea is, is that Jesus Christ came to earth, like Heather had said in John 3.16, that he came to earth to give his life as a sacrifice for us, and then was put into a grave, and that was supposed to be the end of it. For everyone involved, that was the end. Well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of the Gospels, which are the first four books of the New Testament, all tell the same story that after Jesus was crucified and laid in a grave to basically just be for the rest of existence, it actually tells the story of an empty tomb, that it doesn't exist, that Jesus is gone, that he is resurrected. And so this is the centerpiece of our faith as Christians, not the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus is actually the centerpiece of the gospel. It is the reason we are here today. It is the reason that we can go to church at all on Sunday mornings, because if Jesus simply came and died on the cross and stayed in the grave, he would have been like any other prophet of any other religion of any other time throughout history. But the only one to resurrect and to conquer death in the grave is our Savior, Jesus. And so he overcame death 
and made a way for us to be able to have a relationship with God, our Father. And here's the important thing for this, is that the the resurrection story is not simply just a ticket to heaven. Most of us, many of us in Christianity in America, uh, around our country, really treat the gospel message as when we say yes to Jesus as it's a ticket to eternal life, that one day when I die long, long in the future, that I get to go to heaven, right? But for many people who call in the name of Jesus as Savior, don't really understand that the resurrection the power of the resurrection and the significance of Easter Sunday is not just a ticket to heaven, but actually for our everyday lives. The death and resurrection of Jesus was the transaction that made us children of God. What do I mean by that? Sometimes, and maybe in old-timey Christianity, the word was called redeemed, right? They would say that I am the redeemed. Anybody ever heard that phrase that Christians are called redeemed? What does it mean to redeem something? It means that you paid for something and then you go collect it, right? So if I buy something on Amazon, or not really Amazon, but on like Target, if I go and buy something online at Target and then I go to the store to pick it up, I am redeeming my purchase, right? I made a purchase already. Well, Easter is about Jesus Christ paying for our sin on the cross, right? And then because of his resurrection, he canceled out death's ownership of us right? There was no release from it. So because of Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection, he paid for us and then went and redeemed us from the power of the enemy. That's the beauty of the gospel, and that's why it's redeemed. But not just that. It's not just the ticket to heaven. We were also adopted into the family of God and made his children. And because now we're in the family, because God is our father, because we are his children, there are new rules, There are new perspectives, new possibilities, and the rest of our lives really become about learning to see life from God's perspective instead of our own. And this is is really what the resurrection is about, because we get to now see what God says about us and who we are, rather than our natural tendency to see ourselves as our failures, the labels that we have on ourselves, the misguided, deceived concepts because of the sinful nature that lives inside of us. And so this song that we're going to explore today is called You Say, and it's by Lauren Daigle. And it's really, I love it because what it is about is a song where it points out the constant struggle that we all deal with, right? This concept of, I know that I'm a child of God because of what Jesus has done on the cross and through his resurrection, yet I still feel weighed down by my mistakes, I still struggle with with my failures or my my past. I still feel like people talk to me or talk behind my back and I wrestle with that. Am I good enough? Do I measure up? We still wrestle with that. And this song really talks about that. Let's listen to the first verse of the song. And actually the lyrics will be here on the screen for you. And we're going to see how the writer, Lauren Daigle, is talking about this struggle. Let's listen together. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am So this song is really about the battle 
of who we think we are and what God says about us, right? The battle between our perspective and God's. Like, whose opinion do we listen to? How do I compare or measure up to other people? What is my worth and where does it come from? Is it the sum of my achievements? Is it the, the good things that I succeed in my projects at work and it's the number of kids that I have and I got married? Is it the sum of our achievements subtracted by the failures and our mistakes? Right? And so whatever that value is, that difference there, is that's our worth? How do we measure up? How do we stack up? And I think we're always seeking to find that, to figure out how we measure up. And last week, we learned about this concept of, of, of sin and how we get stuck in this pattern, and we called it the hustle of sin, the idea that we're always trying to make ourselves feel better. We're always constantly seeking to, to make a way to, for us to be able to feel like we are worth more, and it never lets us out. There's no way out of it, no matter how hard we try. And so Easter is really all about Jesus setting things right, breaking the pattern and resetting the cycle. And he creates a way for us to live free, to live free and to become the people that he created us to be. And the way that he does that is by telling us who we are as a father to his children. So we begin to see, like I said earlier, that the rest of our lives after we come to Jesus is really learning to see from God's perspective instead of the perspective, our misguided perspective. And he does that by telling us who we are. And so the writer of the song then says in the chorus, remind me of who I am according to you. Let's listen to the chorus now. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, if you want to turn there and read it. This is a critical passage in Scripture because it really talks about this very idea. Let's read it together. It says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, right? We just talked about this, this battle that we have inside of us that even though I know who I am, I'm your child, I still struggle with fear, right? I still struggle. And he says, but you did not receive that. That's not coming from me. Instead, you received the spirit of what? Adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself inside of us testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, there are two key words in this passage of Scripture here that I want to point out. The first is, we already talked about, is adoption. Now, it's really, really valuable for us to understand what adoption means in Hebrew or in this time. The concept of adoption means that you are made a full-fledged son or daughter in the house of your master, 
Okay, so uh, sometimes, and we see this in our in our modern day, right? When you when you adopt a child, you want that kid to feel like they are part of your family, like that they were always a part of your family, right? But the natural tendency of the one who is adopted is to feel like no matter how much you tell me you love me, that I'm that I'm never quite your kid, right? But this is why I think it's so important why God set up adoption the way that He did with His own people, because the concept is He's, He knew we would struggle with this, but the idea is that. Legally, you are made full sons and daughters in the adoption of, the, of that individual within the house, which means that you received inheritance. It means that you received property and land. It means that you were given a title, that if you had authority as a son or a daughter in that house, that, you, that if they other brothers and sisters who were biological, if you were adopted, you were given the same. So we are adopted into God's family, which means that you are a full-fledged son or daughter in the house. You're not a second-class citizen, and a lot of us live our Christianity that way. God, thank you so much for forgiving me. I'm never going to ask for anything else in my life again because I know that like, I'm probably crossing the line. I cannot tell you how many people I grew up, or that, how many people have come to our church out of like maybe a, a Catholic background, or um, and this is not to bash on any other denomination, but so many people who have come out of that space who who would say, "I'm not going to pray for for this cold," or or "I'm not going to ask God to help my finances," or whatever. And I would say, "Why?" And they would say, "Because I just feel bad. Like God did all this for me, and you know I shouldn't ask." No, no, no. That's not what we see here. The concept of adoption means you are a child and your brother or your sister is running to the father every day asking for 10 bucks, but you can't do the same. No, no, you need to stop that. You are adopted as a child in the house. You're not the second class kid. You're not the runt on the side. That's not who you are. You've been given new clothes. The second term is Abba. Abba. And we're not talking about the disco band, okay? Abba. This word is a term of familiarity and affection. It actually means words like daddy or papa, right? Like this is the idea of a, of a son or a daughter who has that relationship with their parents that is, that is closeness. There isn't a barrier there. And some of us I recognize in the room maybe are struggling with this if you grew up in a home where you don't have that or I'm not really sure. But every one of us has seen a, a friend or experience in our own lives where there has been a connection or a closeness. Daddy, I love coming home from work. And my kids, they don't really do it so much anymore. Wink, wink, kids. But when they used to, I walk in the door and my children would run and they'd give me a hug and they'd say, daddy's home, right? That's the closeness, the affection of it. And so what it's saying in this passage of scripture is that because we are adopted, and again, it's reinforcing this idea, because we have been brought in and adopted, redeemed, right? Made full-fledged kids that we get to cry out. Our spirit says, daddy, to our God in heaven. That's what it's, so now here's what happens though, right? In that kind of relationship, when you have that closeness, the child craves the father's words of affirmation and love. What do I mean by that? I want to tell you a story. My son, uh, Lincoln, several years ago, we had just moved into Pittsburgh, and uh, we had a, a shelf that, that was empty. It was like a cupboard kind of thing, and it was empty, so it was really front-heavy. And he was, you know, didn't know what was in it, and we hadn't just unpacked yet. We hadn't really gotten And he opened the cabinet doors, and because of the weight, it fell on his face and cut the front part of his face. And we had to go to the hospital, and we had to get stitches. And, 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 and it was really pretty gruesome looking, right? 
couple days after that, he had a really big bruise on his eye. It was black and it was blue and it was cut up. And, and he looked in the mirror one morning and, he, and we came in and he was kind of like looking really sad at his face. And I said, what's the matter, bud? And he says, I'm ugly. He said, I'm ugly. And we looked at him and he said, no, you are not ugly. You're my son. You're handsome. You're smart, right? Your value doesn't come because of, your, of a look on your face. Your value comes because you're my kid. And I don't want anyone to ever tell you, so I'm worried about school, right? All the feelings that come in your mind. If you've ever been in a situation like that, this concept of, but what are people going to think about me? I have this scar on my body or my soul and my life because of this thing that happened to me. And just like I looked at my son and I said, no, that's not who you are. You are not ugly. You are not this. You are not that. Just like that, our Father in heaven looks at us and we cry, Abba, Daddy, I'm struggling. I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do. Everybody says this about me. Our Father is saying, no, child, you are my son and I love you and you are this you are strong you are you are full of life you are a conqueror you are victorious all of these things he says to us just like I sat in a mirror and that's what he's doing to us is scripture this is what I want you to understand the words to us through scripture are God's affirmation to us are God's affection to us are God's guidance to us as a father to his son and to his daughter So when you read the Bible, I hear so many people go, I can't read the Bible. It's boring. It's not relevant. I understand it. It's because you're reading it from the wrong perspective. Read it from the perspective of a child as a son or a daughter whose father loves you. And when you read it from the perspective of God, my life sucks right now and I'm frustrated and I can't get married. I can't find the person that I want to marry and my bills can't be paid and I've made so many mistakes. No one's going to love me and and I, I have a broken relationship with my son or my daughter or my grandparents or whatever it might be. When you read it from that place and you see God's word speaking over you that you are full of life, that you are adopted, you begin to understand that he's teaching us. He's trying to help us see ourselves from a new perspective, from a different perspective. We're not what people say about us, and we're not the sum of our experiences. We are valuable simply because we're his children. There is absolutely nothing that my kids could ever do that would make me not love them and not come to their rescue and not let them know of their value. And the same is true of our Father in heaven. And that's why the first verse of the songs with her singing, remind me, remind me, because we struggle with this idea, right? But the resurrection says, you say I'm loved, right? You say I'm strong. You say I'm held. You say that I am yours. And just like our relationship with God begins with an invitation that we have to accept, right? Jesus puts the, opens the table, says, come and sit at my table, become a part of my family. But some people say, I don't want that. I don't want to be a part of your family. Just like the beginning of our relationship is an invitation that we have to choose, we also have to choose to believe what our Father says about us instead of how we feel or what others say. It's a choice that we have to make. Here's what it says in verse 15. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. It's a choice. We did not receive a spirit of slavery. We are not held back any longer. We actually have a choice to not believe the lies that we have told ourselves and other people have said to us. So when someone says you're a failure, someone calls you dumb or someone calls you stupid, when someone says you're an idiot, when someone says why can't you get this at work or your grades don't hold up the way you'd want them to, when you feel that way, that is not who you are. Instead, our Father says that you are loved, that you are valuable because you're made in his image. And once we hear, we also need to begin to live 
out of that perspective. That's why I said the rest of our lives is, is, this, is this choice of learning to see the world how God sees us and how God sees the world rather than what people keep telling us to do. And the chorus then ends with this. It says, I believe what you say of me. I believe, right? It's a choice there. We allotted some extra time at the end of our service here today so that we could have a special uh, response moment. What we're going to do, Dan, if you want to come up and begin playing here, we have a couple tables here for each of us on each side, so each side of the room can, can do both. And this is a moment that we wanted to create for us as individuals to take what we've heard this morning about what God has said about us and really um, apply it to our lives. And so what we have done is we've created a table that has these stones on it and then a bowl of water behind it. And that symbolizes the things in our lives that hold us down, the things that weigh us down, right? These stones are pretty heavy. There are markers there. And what I want you to do is I want you to think about, even now, something in your life that, that has been holding you down, something that's held you back, something, a label that maybe someone has, has put on you. Maybe it's a struggle or a fear or something in your life that, 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 that Jesus has said, this is not who you are because you're my child. I want you to write that down and then I want you to drive it in the water. And that water symbolizes just like baptism, right? The death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection, right? The washing away of our sins. So as you drop that in there, imagine this is what Jesus is doing. He's redeemed it. He's paid for it. He's removed it. And then what I want you to do is take one of these colored pieces of cardstock and take a marker and write a new word, an affirmation, an affection, or a word of guidance that you are sensing in your heart this morning. I wanna, we're going to take a moment to just pray and close our eyes and allow the Lord to speak to us. I want him right now to identify something in your life that he's saying, this is not who you are anymore. Maybe you've been holding on to it. Maybe even this week you've struggled, made a mistake. I know I have. Whatever it is, write that down. And then we're going to listen. Just listen. God, what would you say about me? You are loved. He says, you are strong, you are held, you're not alone, you're my child, you're smart, you're funny. I don't know, whatever it might be, but that's God affirming in you who you are in his life, in his kingdom, in his family. So let's stand together and we're going to pray. Father, on this Easter Sunday... We just want to say thank you first. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he gave up his life to pay for our sin. The hustle of sin that we cannot get away from without the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. We say thank you for that. But not just that. We thank you also that he defeated death and he resurrected. And the power that resurrected Jesus from the grave is what resurrects our spirit in our souls inside of us to reconnect with you, to have a relationship with you. It purchased us and bought us back from the ruler of this world so that we could become your children. We say thank you for that. If anyone in the room today wants to do that, have never done that, has never crossed from death to life spiritually, today is your moment. 
If anything else, this is the central message of Easter is that Jesus paid for your sin and you can have eternal life. And not just eternal life, but life now that is free and abundant. One that is not held down by the shackles of your sin or your failures or what the world says about you, but instead you can be known as a son or a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And all you have to do, the Bible says, is to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And all I'm just going to ask you to do, we're not even going to pray like a prayer. It's just in your heart right now, say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe and I follow you now. I will follow you. Rescue me. Redeem me. And so, Father, now as we are about to move forward into this this, this moment of response, I pray that this would be a special time that, that you would speak to us. So right now we ask for you to pinpoint something in each of our lives, an area that you want to, to show us that you have already paid for. Right now, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Shine a spotlight in our heart on an area that you are calling out as no longer is who you are. You will not be known by this. You will not be labeled by it. Right now, guys, just zero in on that. Just listen to you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for speaking. And God, we also ask that you would now remind us, that you would speak into us, maybe something that wasn't even spoken this morning. You know, maybe it's uh, something completely different that I would never even think of, but each one of us right now, would you just put a word, put an image in our mind, a word of affection from you, Father, a word of, a word of guidance. Praise you, God. Tell us who we are. Like we're looking in the mirror and we see our scars. We see the wounds that we carry. And you're standing behind us, looking in the mirror, whispering, no, son, no, daughter, you're beautiful. You are loved. You are held. You are mine. You are strong. You are smart. You will get through this. Whatever it is. And so now, Father, we just ask that you would be honored by this moment that we're creating. We choose to say, I believe what you say about me rather than how I feel. In Jesus' name, amen. As we... Just keeping this moment of this kind of solemn, sacred moment. Let's just move out of our chairs and come up to the front. I encourage you just to take this. Remember, put the right on the stone and then drop it in the water. And then go ahead and begin to write a word of affirmation on the pages. And when we're finished, we'll come back together and sing a song and close. Father, we thank you for setting us free. Help us in the days to come to see from your perspective to see the world around us from your perspective, to see that the people who hurt us are still, you created them and you love them. And even though you've you saved us, you've redeemed us, you've given us freedom, part of what it means to be your children is that you desire so much for us to show other people the same, that those who are languishing in their sin, searching, hustling, to just find a purpose and meaning, I pray that you would use us as we begin to be transformed in every day, as we gain confidence as your children, that you would help us to be light, that we would call other people into your family. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts this morning. We thank you for who you are, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.